Welcome. I'm the Falcon of the West. And I'm the Prince of Precision. And we are the the Attack Attack Action Action Podcast. Podcast. What's up, Isaac? Um, We're sitting down this Thursday evening to interview a very, very famous, um, very good player tonight. Yep. Yuki Lee Bender, the Canadian national champ on Ice Lexi. Incredible uh, interview. Um, The one question I wish I had asked her was how she felt about her giant lady brain uh, that is superior to the tiny male brain and how uh, that felt to just like beat the crap out of our, uh, you know, yep. Beat the crap out of them. It's very late. (laughs) I've had two glasses of wine. (laughs) Right. We always do better when we record the intro afterwards, but I think her brain's just superior to all of the rest of ours. So, you know, Totally. I had just, started, it yeah, it was a great interview and I had a really great time and, uh, we have a, a few technical difficulties in the remote podcast, but, uh, you'll, um, I'll figure it out and everybody else listening will also figure it out. So it'll be fine. Yeah. And I was extremely excited for this interview because Yuki is, uh, you know, uh, a ranger diehard ranger extraordinaire so taking ranger to win a national championship is like a dream come true for so many of us out there it's been a long long dark year <laughs> <laughs> oh totally yeah it's it's great um yep uh so yeah uh, you have that to look forward to it's almost like a it's almost two hours. So we, we talk about a lot of different stuff, you know, like uh, her background, uh, how she approached nationals, some deck building choices, um, et cetera, you know. And I felt like we didn't even really scratch the surface of a lot of the stuff we could have asked her. So we will definitely be having her uh, back on in the near future for sure. Yep. Um, so before we plug our socials and get right into the interview. Um, I just had one piece of news or shout out that uh, I did see that Matt Rogers has started a card grading company. And um, I just want to wish him well in that and very, very much hope that this company is a success because I'm not a big collector or interested in having a lot of cards graded, but I do have a few that I would if there was not a, you know, one year wait and uh, you know, two hundred dollar price tag attached to grading one card with like Beckett or some of the big companies that are just um, like oh, extremely backlogged, and also um, have had I think their quality control go quite a bit down. So just having a card specific grading service that uh, has a reasonable price tag and a reasonable timeline would be well well welcome. Um, I think for a lot of people in this game. So good luck to you, Matt. Taylor, yeah. what are yeah, our I socials? Hope, I, oh, I hope sorry. Matt, <laughs> Matt crushes it as much as he does uh, 
the flesh and blood scene. That would be great. Um, so yeah, social media, uh, both me and Isaac are on Twitter at battle bro, Taylor at battle bro, Isaac. You can find us on Instagram at the attack action podcast, Facebook at the attack action podcast. Send us an email at the attack action podcast at gmail.com. Um, we love to hear from y'all. Um, you you have been doing a, a great job leaving comments on the YouTube versions of these podcasts, um, and we really much appreciate that. Uh, it's just great to get to interact with everybody, um, you know, a little bit more readily because uh, if you haven't done a podcast, you just kind of like look into your co-host's eyes and then post this somewhere on the internet and then that's it, you know? So it's, it's good to know that there's an audience and people out there. So we, we always appreciate that. Um, yeah, your, your brief comments or emails or whatever are very, uh, you know, heartwarming and, uh, you know, very much appreciated. So yeah, keep it up and thank you. Yeah. It's like pretty cliche. You probably hear that on the other 20 podcasts you listen to, um, that it means a lot, but, uh, those podcasters and ourselves really do mean that, that it is, uh, you know, just really, really special. So keep that up. Speaking of special, we also have a Patreon. And if you find value in our podcast and what we do and that sort of thing, uh, and you are of financial means, we would love it if you supported us and uh, helped us keep uh, the lights on and the mics hot, as it were. Um, there's some benefits to that, too. You get to be a part of the the really cool Discord we have going on, and uh, you get some stickers and a play mat and that sort of thing. And um, it just really, uh, you know, helps us out and enables us to continue this uh, endeavor and improve it, really. You know, that's uh, that's like the big thing is is being able to improve our craft uh, with, you know, technically and uh, with hardware and that sort of thing. So speaking uh, of, um, uh, we're almost simultaneously launching a new episode of our sister podcast, The Reaction Step, which is a YouTube exclusive. And um, because Thanksgiving is coming up and there's just a a lot of shit going on right now. We're uh, releasing this episode and um, also a new episode on YouTube. So go over and check that out. Um, we are also partnered with Fab Foundry. Uh, use our affiliate link. Helps us out. Helps them out. Gets you some singles. Win, win, win. Totally win, win, win. Yeah. So um, you probably won't hear from us again until December. And uh, Lord knows what we're going to do then, but we're going to take the time that we have off to figure that out and come at you with a new hot episode. So look forward to that. Just you wait. (laughs) Just you wait. (laughs) But before then, we have this great episode with Yuki, the Ranger Queen herself. I hope you enjoy this interview as much as we did, and we will see you in the next episode.
All right, here we are. The interview has started. Uh, we're here with Yuki, the Canadian national champion. Obviously, Isaac is also here. What's up, everybody? How's it going, Taylor? <laughs> Great. I'm pretty psyched. Yuki, how are you on this fine Thursday evening? Um, I'm doing great. It's a pleasure to be on the show. I feel so honored that I've been invited. I'm looking forward to chatting with you, too. Well, you have done something that nobody in the history of the world has ever done before. <laughs> and that has won a major tournament piloting Ranger. Hell yeah. And you also won the biggest tournament <laughs> piloting Ranger. So congratulations <laughs> to you, and we're very happy to have you on. Um, but first, I think we would like to uh, get to know you a little better, and then we'll jump back into the, you know, the nitty gritty. Yeah, for sure. So, um, uh, yeah, go ahead. What do you do? Where are you from? Give us all of the background detail. Start from, we won't go back too long, but age five. Start there, <laughs> and then bring us to the present. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I'm, I live in Vancouver, BC, uh, born and raised here, and I love card games. Uh, before Flesh and Blood, I played Magic quite a bit, um, primarily a limited player in Magic the Gathering. I played a lot of draft. Um, outside of card games, I really enjoy the outdoors. I go hiking, um, camping, skiing. Um, Lots of beautiful things to do in BC, and I feel so fortunate to live here. Um, in terms of work, I'm a high school teacher. I teach math and business ed, so marketing, accounting, that kind of a thing. Um, so yeah, it's really just, uh, you know, card games have mostly been a hobby for me, and I'm, I'm quite competitive and I like to do well, but it's also not never been the main focus. I sort of have a lot of other things I'm juggling and have going on in the back as well. Totally. I can super relate to everything you said. Teacher, outdoor enthusiast, competitive, too many other hobbies to really win nationals, but you did it. And congratulations again. Totally. And I, I also like, I love to snowboard and climb and like do a lot of outdoors things and sometimes feel a little bit uh, like an outsider in the competitive um, card gaming or board gaming community. So it's uh, it's very refreshing to hear that. Nice way to, <laughs> I don't know, diversify. It's still yeah. possible for me, you, you and Isaac. It's still possible for us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I know exactly what you mean. There's often not a lot of overlap between those communities. I find it on, on both sides, actually, in the outdoors, you tell them about the, the gaming and nerdy stuff and they're kind of like oh okay and then the same thing on the other side they're like oh you go outside and do things and do sports <laughs> so it's, it's interesting to straddle the two of them but it's uh yeah I, lo I love them both and i couldn't imagine not doing one of them so nice and uh so i find and like i never really have anybody to talk to about this besides like taylor right but <laughs> <laughs> i find that there's like a lot of overlap mentally between, you know, a lot of these things, right? Like you're um, kind of problem solving under pressure, you know, whether it's like, um, 
or problem solving like under fatigue and pressure, you know, whether you're like on a wall or like, you know, playing in top eight of nationals or whatever. It just like, it's just like a different puzzle for your brain under different, you know, types of, um, you know, pressure and time constraints and all this stuff, which I guess like are very different, but it's just, that's like what I enjoy about all of them, I guess. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I think there is more overlap than you might think. And, you know, a lot of that kind of getting focused and getting in that mental space where you're just able to execute and able to perform what you what you know and what you practiced is, is very similar between the two of them. And I, I do think I borrow a lot, um, you know, from the outdoor stuff in my gaming stuff and also my Gaming, I think, influences the outdoors and physical activity that I do, too. Um, I don't think they're separate at all. So, yeah, totally agree with you. Nice. That's super cool. Yeah. Where I take away my, like, uh, lifetime of athletics experience is, um, like, the practice leading up to, like, big events. Like, we did uh, a very good job preparing for road to national season and... uh, you know, had results to, um, back up our practice and our training and that sort of thing. And that's like the sort of stuff I like really nerd out about is like, you know, Oh, the incremental advantage I've, I gained in, you know, playing this three times in a row, the things I've learned and, you know, that sort of thing, tweaking little things or just like, getting to continually iterate on stuff you learned before. I don't know. And just being regimented and about it. And, um, Oh, what's the, what's the other, well, whatever you y'all's understand what I'm trying to say here, what I'm getting at. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I think often just like having a clear goal when you're practicing or something you're working towards is super important. It's really easy to go, oh, well, we're playtesting and you're just playing a bunch of games, but you're not really focused or intentional about it. Yeah, and I don't want to say it's not useful, but it's not as useful as it could be if it's a little bit more uh, thoughtful and a little bit more guided. Yeah. Heck yeah. Great. Cool. So, um, so you played Magic before. Uh, were there other like TCGs you kind of cut your teeth with, or was it just like Friday Night Magic? Here I go, basically until now. Yeah, so it was pretty. In terms of card games, it was mostly Magic. I, I started playing Magic as a kid in the '90s. Actually, I was I think five years old when I first started learning to play Magic. Um, I didn't really know how to play the game. I just saw the cards and I thought that they were cool. And um, I think I took some cards home and a rules book, since that's how you learn to play games um, back then. Uh, you know, some some little rules book. And I honestly had no idea. It was kind of, I was a pretty good reader for my age, but it was over my head. And um, my mom was amazing and read through it and taught me the game and sat down and played with me. Um, and for a long time, I was mostly playing with uh, actually my family. So we would, you know, get together on weekends with my mom, my dad, my uncle, and my cousin, and we'd all just basically play Commander. Um, Commander wasn't a format at the time, but that's basically what we we're doing. We we're just playing what we had in a big free for all game, and it was a ton of fun. Um, 
eventually I started playing at high school and things like that, but I really wasn't into organized play. I didn't even really know that it was a thing. I just, I just really liked the game and, and I definitely knew the rules and, and enjoyed deck building and things like this, but it was more of a casual hobby. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until maybe Hearthstone that I kind of got into more competitive card games. So I did play Hearthstone for a little while. Um, which was fun, but then I always, every time I was playing Hearthstone, I was like, well, this just isn't, like, I just like magic more, and and Hearthstone's convenient, but, like, I kind of just wish I was playing magic. And so eventually I decided to get into magic, and and in particular, I really wanted to get into draft, since um, that just seemed like such a fun way to play. Um, So that started out as FNM, and then I started going to GPs, and was starting to get into PTQs and things like that. Um, I started about maybe four years ago in the competitive magic scene. So um, yeah, I've had some experience. I've day two GPs and things like that, but I've never won a major event. I, I think I was sort of just starting to get into competitive magic when, of course, the pandemic happened and, and everything kind of got shut down. Um, and it was around that time that I discovered Flesh and Blood and um, just fell in love with the game. And and honestly, um, Flesh and Blood is the first game I feel like I've really enjoyed Constructed in. Mm-hmm. Um, in Magic, I just found it hard to get into. Um, the deck building is so challenging if you're somebody that has other things going on. There's just so many games that people play, and there's not really that much room to build a new deck if you just have you know a few hours a day at most to, to be pouring into it. People are just playing so much more. So um, I think Flesh and Blood just being a little bit smaller and having more room to innovate was a real breath of fresh air. And I also like that every game is, you know, an actual game and you feel like you have agency and you get to do things and make decisions. Whereas, you know, sometimes for magic, you you fly to this big event and before you knew, know it, you're knocked out and you didn't really even get to play any cards because you just couldn't draw lands or something like that. And that was really frustrating. Yeah, totally. I uh, fully understand that sentiment. I stopped playing Magic, um, and I mentioned this on the podcast a couple of times, so sorry, fans, that you have to hear this again. But I would only assume there's probably like 10 of you that remember all of my stories, so uh, it doesn't doesn't really matter. (laughs) Um, The Taylor diehards. (laughs) Yeah, the the eagle-eye spotters, falcon-eyed spotters. Um, Yeah. But the I stopped playing like freshman year in high school. We had like study hall and we just like did not need to study. So we just played like magic really silently. And we were like the only couple of freshmen in this upper class study hall, which, you know, already felt terrible, like playing (laughs) magic next to all of these seniors and juniors, whatever, though. But I brought this like green monster debt it just had a bunch of like huge creatures in it and i was like this is gonna be unbeatable what are you gonna do when i have like multiple seven sevens out there and then i just got like counterspelled and all these other mechanics that i was just like what the fuck is the point if i can't just like play out creatures like i don't even get this this game is dumb now and that was kind of like the end and then my friend mark shout out to my other best friend mark he had this deck that just like he sat there and did nothing and just gained a bunch of life and then had a card that just said if you have X amount of life over your starting health total, you just like win the game. And I was <laughs> like, this is also stupid. So I'm super out. 
So there we go. I really <laughs> liked magic. I also played like fifth grade to seventh grade or whatever, or freshman year, but I really liked it because it was, I guess it wasn't pre internet, but it was pre like forums full of the meta game. So it's like everybody had different cards and it's just like what you picked out of your packs and what you could score and then what you could like craft you know against your friends who have like different toolboxes and different brains and it was just like kind of the ultimate deck building because that's like my favorite part of uh, a lot of these games so it was just without the meta already being broken on the internet it really uh you know made the game i don't know just like limitless and fun Totally. Yeah, no, I totally agree with that sentiment. And that was always one of my favorite things. And I think that's one of the things that's made me enjoy limited so much is like, I have that experience I had as a kid, because because now, you know, it's like, well, I can, I can buy whatever cards I want. But being able to open up a booster pack, and you're in pack three, and you see, I don't know, like a weave lightning that's worth worth nothing, but you're so pumped to get that red weave lightning because it's perfect for your deck and it's exactly what you're missing. Like that's that's such an awesome feeling. And I think it's something that we kind of, it's kind of lost now with how easy it is to buy cards online or at shops. And um, I just really love just like the scrappiness of it and just putting together the best deck that you can. And sometimes you get this card that's not very good, but it's exactly what you need. And that's that's awesome. So. Yeah, totally. I, I really like limited play. Always have. Um, I'm a little disheartened in the Tails format. For some reason, I suck ass at Tails limited. I'm just like, I don't know what it is. I can't. Uh, I think I draft pretty well. Like uh, many times I'll be like, this deck is so good. Isaac, look at these cards. This is what's in my deck. And he's like, holy shit. I'm like, yeah. And then I go like one, two, you know, on the local mm. armory. Yeah, for whatever last reason. weekend was broken. It was crazy. It, it was, was so, so good. It was so good. And I just chuffed it up in Swiss for whatever reason, you know. I don't know what it is. Yeah, My brain just doesn't, doesn't work well in this set. Yeah, sometimes I think certain formats click better than others and... Tales is a little bit funny. You uh, the games can just be so quick, um, mm-hmm. very very condensed, uh, very explosive. A lot of the decks don't block that well, but it can do a lot of damage. I mean, I guess old time blocks well, but um, certainly Briar and Lexi are just so so aggressive, and the games are very tight, but also just kind of very. Um, it can be over in a flash, and and yeah, it seems like you know a small mistake or just drawing dead for a turn can be enough to really put you on the back foot. Yeah, or like you win the dice roll and you decide to go second for some reason over first, you know, and then mm-hmm. you just like lose also because of those decisions, which is kind of tough. It's very punishing, which is not like or historically has not been typical for. Um, flesh and blood, you know, unless you're like first time playing against someone who really knows how to play Dorinthia, that's like the only time it really has felt like <laughs> so punishing. You're like overpowered. How am I ever supposed to learn how to play this game? But uh, I did want to ask Yuki. Uh, <clears throat> so I asked Hayden Dale this question and uh, it turned out, you know, it was pretty fun. So we'll see how it goes here. Um, but do you have, what are like, 
one to three super interesting facts about Yuki. Oh, one to three super interesting facts. Um, I feel like I would have, a lot of the ones I would go to would be a lot of my outdoors stuff is usually what I would say. Um, I've been skiing my whole life. I've skied over most of the province and yeah, I just, it's something that's just been so integral and crucial to who I am as a person and my development as a person. So that's, that's one. Um, another one is that, you know, I, I love mathematics and problem solving. And I think that's a lot of kind of what I get out of video games um, and, and card games as well is that that sort of creative problem solving process. And I find it so interesting how sometimes people that love games don't necessarily love mathematics. And it's, it's such a shame because there's, there's such an awesome overlap there. And that's, that's another passion of mine is kind of like sharing that or trying to share and, and show people that. And I think that's part of what's made me uh, become a teacher and, mm-hmm. and want to do that is just share that passion. Cause I think a lot of people sort of get the, get the wrong impression of, um, of mathematics and, and it's a shame. Um, I guess the last one is that I used to be really into video games and um, played some games pretty competitively. I was a big um, real-time strategy player. I played a lot of Warcraft 3 and Starcraft and I wasn't, you know, I wasn't a professional or anything, but I was I was pretty darn good. I was like a, you know, very high-ranked ladder player that played with a lot of the stronger players at least in North America, which you know, that's sort of the running joke in video games is that North America is not very good, but you know, within the context of North America, I was, I was not bad, you know? So, um, yeah, I guess that's my three. Awesome. That was, uh, some very well-rounded answers. Um, (laughs) I really liked your point about math also, because I mean, obviously it's such a broad topic and I think it's appealing to everyone. Right. But Yeah. It just has to be kind of digestible, right? Because like I find like I find astrophysics really fascinating, but uh, maybe like theoretical, you know, or statistics or something um, I'm less intrigued by, but it's all math, right? So I think it's just how you, uh, I guess, like what classes you take or, you know, how it's presented to you because, you know, everybody that's like playing a lot of these uh competitive technical games is you know digging the math in one way or another i think yeah totally and i think it can depend a lot on context also like um like probability has never been my most favorite topic in mathematics but then you know certainly when i'm building a deck i'm thinking a lot about you know what are my odds to draw certain types of hands or certain cards i'm busting out the you know the hypergeometric calculator and, and running all those probabilities and you need to you need to know how you're building your deck and and what kind of odds it's giving you and and whether you're trading off power for consistency and and if you're okay with that trade off um, you really need to be making informed decisions if you're building a deck and and so it's interesting how the the context can kind of really shape how interesting it is 100% yeah i totally get it like we will have uh we kind of have like weird arguments about like ratios in our deck sometimes and then like either our friend Colin uh what's up colin or thomas what's up thomas 
uh, we'll like also bust out the calculator and be like, all right, let's, uh, let's get down to the nitty grits here. And it's always like, uh, I don't know. It's always, always informative and it's like a super good tool. It just helps you make, like you said, informed decisions, like way better, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that last statement you said really, cause that's like, I think that's the most challenging part for me is, um, you know, consistency versus, uh, you know, threat level or potency or whatever. And it's like very hard for my brain to, um, I guess, quantify each of those and then weigh them against each other. Right. Because it's like, you need a certain degree of consistency, otherwise nothing happens. But then if you make the most vanilla consistent deck, you are just average. Right. And there's like, of course they can coexist, but I think that's where my deck building starts to, I guess that's just where the reps come in, right? Like you have to put in the practice to like really feel that out because I think it's hard for me to, you know, completely or realistically envision, you know, how it's going to perform when weighing those two things. Yeah, no, totally. I think it's a very iterative process where you try something out and it seems great. And and usually often part of that idea will be great and you need to kind of tweak other parts. So I think there is a, you know, experiential piece to it as well. It's not just the raw numbers, but, um, but yeah, the, the two of them kind of do work very well together. And, and, and yeah, I, I don't think there's anybody out there that can build a deck without, without testing it out. You just, um, there's always things that will surprise you, little interactions or matchup specific things you haven't thought about. So yeah, always lots of tweaking to do for sure. Hell yeah. Well, with that, that's, a, this is just a great segue into um kind of you know so uh, national season where do you start in flesh and blood do you come in like in 2019 2021 are you a part of like the uh skirmish season where everybody's playing webcam games did you start at road to nationals uh you know tell us tell us your flesh and blood history oh wait before you do that keep that in your in your mind the people really want to know, are you truly a ranger main or are you, are you just kind of like dabbling a little bit? What is, who's your favorite hero or class? Uh, yeah. Um, I would put myself as largely a ranger main. I can be um, pretty competitive and pretty spiky. And if, if ranger is not the class to bring, I won't, I won't bring it, but um Azalea was my favorite hero by far when I started playing the game. Um, Yeah, I'm sort of sad that she hasn't been, she hasn't really had her time in the sun. Um, Fingers crossed that she does get more support. I was, I was really disappointed, honestly, with Tails, like, as a new horizon is so cool, then you realize it doesn't work with her bow and she doesn't get to use Voltaire. And it, it just felt like, you know, even just getting to use Voltaire might've been enough to give her um, a real fighting chance in the format, and I was hoping for that, but but who knows? I mean, there will be more sets and more rangers, so so hopefully. Um, but yeah, ranger is probably my favorite class. Um, I also really enjoyed playing Prism in the Monarch meta. I think uh, the whole Aura's game plan and all the, you know, setting up that board state and how everything comes together was, was very cool to me. And I, I, I just, I really like drawing cards too. So, you know, Toma Divinity, Three of a Kind, that's kind of, that's kind of my jam. Sweet. Awesome. That's really cool. 
kind of the power ladies of the of the game, really. You know, well, exclu- Levia is somewhere plotting your demise. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. There's just like too many jokes after that one. My brain kind of like locked up for a second, you know. Um, but that's very true, Isaac. You are correct. Um, so, yeah, talk to us about like your previous flesh and blood like competitive scene. Did you like? Um, I mean, it's hard in the U.S. to like know who players are in other countries. Um, which is yeah. like kind of a shame. I would really like to know, but uh, yeah, tell us about all, all that stuff. For sure. So, I'm trying to think of when I started playing, I think it was during Arcane Rising, maybe very early Crucible. It would have been whenever um, LSV was putting out gameplay videos of mm. Flesh and Blood, because um, I I watched LSV from Magic and I saw this game and I went, "Wow, this game looks really cool." Like I, I had heard people talking about it before, but it wasn't until I saw people playing the game that I actually had an interest in picking it up myself. Um, so I actually played on Tabletop Simulator with a friend of mine. I just said, you know, if this game looks really cool, do you want to try it out? And, and we did. And then after trying it out for a while, I, I bought the cards. And unfortunately, that friend I was playing with lives in California. She's quite far away from me. Um, so I just kind of buying cards just because I wanted to have them. I didn't really know what I was going to do with them at the time. Um, wasn't quite ready to pick up webcam, but I, I have bought some Welcome to Wrath and some Arcane Rising. And um, I think I was buying cards kind of right when Crucible of War first edition was out in North America. I got a few boxes and I actually have like a cold foil perch grapplers that I got back when, you know, prices were actually pretty reasonable. So um, that kind of roughly when I started collecting cards, um, Maybe February or March of this year is when I started playing in armories. And I first thing I did was I brought Azalea to the table and was trying really hard to win. And I, I was doing okay at the start, sort of like, you know, 50-50 record or so. Gradually creeped my way up, managed to get a third one time, which was kind of cool. I got a promo. That was exciting. Um, but eventually I... I hate to say it, but I kind of had to try other things. I got I got tired of losing with Azalea, getting just smashed by Ira over and over again. It was it was oh, yeah. rough. You're playing Blitz, I think. Yeah, uh, yeah. Azalea into Ira Blitz is like impossible. It's just not. You're not no. playing the same game. But no. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. Um, I found like I went to two Road to Nats with Azalea, and then I top aided one, which was like great but then yeah after a while you just get tired of like as much as you love the mechanics and the character and the flavor it's just like i just auto lose to a player who's been playing for a week on control ninja you know and it just it gets defeating after like a year (laughs) so i also switched off you know to levia for a while and stuff so i totally get the you know your loyalty can only go so far but also yeah. agreed just let her use voltaire that's like all we need yeah you know? she doesn't need that much really i yeah. think she's really close she has a lot of powerful cards her hero ability is very powerful um so i don't know um more rangers will come eventually and hopefully yeah. hopefully she'll have her time to shine 
Yeah, we'll see what happens in uh, the Everfest, you know. Yeah. Yeah, Could totally. happen. Yeah. Um, let's see. You're also asking about sort of my local scene. So my local scene is not huge in BC. Um, when I started playing, we usually have around eight to 10 players in webcam events um, and kind of all over the province. So BC is really huge and we'd have some people living on the island, some people in the lower mainland area, which is where I live, and then some people up north as well. Um, so we were quite spread out and it was a really small scene. And I, I heard that not too long, like a few months before I started, it was like four people playing. It was really, really tiny. Um, now it's gotten a little bit bigger. Um, just about a month ago, we started having some in-person events at one of my local stores. We usually get about eight players for a draft, which is kind of perfect and, and a lot of fun. Um, and then one of my other stores is still doing online blitz events. And I'd say we pretty regularly get between 12 and 16. It's usually capped at 16. Um, and that's mostly webcam still, just since, again, we have people all spread out and trying to kind of keep the community yeah. together. So um, that's sort of my local scene. We did have one road to nationals in BC. Um, I was on PRISM for that. And I, I think I went, played against a whole lot of chain in that road to nationals. I think I went three and two overall. And I think I came in ninth, just bubbled out of mm. top eight. So unfortunate there but um but yeah one of my friends well two of my friends top aided uh that i test with and and one of them actually came in fourth and got his um his qualification for nationals so um at that point he was sort of encouraging us oh like i want to go to nationals it'd be awesome if you guys could come so we ended up grinding xp really hard um but there weren't really other road to nationals in our area that we could go to so that was kind of it. Um, I know the two of them took a road trip out to um, Calgary, which is about a 12 mm -hmm. hour drive for anybody that doesn't know. And, and they did it. They started at two or 3 AM in the morning. And I just said, you know what? Like, I, I like this game, but I don't know if I like this game enough to do that. It sounds <laughs> miserable. <laughs> so yeah, that's kind of my run up um, to, to national season. Um, I'd say that we have a pretty tight knit community though, and there's a lot of fairly strong players. It's sort of, it's sort of interesting. There's a lot of players that I thought were pretty good, but you never know until you kind of have something to measure it against. But um, it was great to see. I saw um, Oliver top eight in in uh, nationals. He was also somebody who top eighted or rode to nationals. Um, my testing partner, Jay, came in ninth. He bubbled out. And the only reason that he wasn't in was because I beat him tw twice in Swiss, once in draft and once in constructed. So that was a little bit too too bad. You never want to take your friend out. But um, it is oh, what totally. it is. And uh, we had someone else yep. from BC also do really well. They were also in the day two draft pod. So yeah, cool to see our small little region kind of I think surprising a lot of the rest of Canada. Um, you know, Ontario has the biggest scene up here and, and people really know each other there. And I think they weren't really expecting too much from people from BC. And it was just awesome to see us represented there. Nice. Yeah, is, is Red Riot Games in Ontario? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Ontario, okay. Yeah. yeah. That's like the, the what us th Southerners down here know from uh the like flesh and blood scene in canada 
Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, in all of the road to Nats we went to, I, I had to play a bud. I played our friend Mitch, who's uh, been on the podcast a few times in our very first road to Nats. And I had to play Isaac like second round at uh, the other road to Nats I went to. Yeah, I played um, Thomas round one, 32 players. We're the yeah, only two yeah. who know each other. <laughs> yeah, I totally just haven't. I swear to God, we were going to play each other at Vegas too. Like we all kept winning in the same round and it was like, oh my God, we're going to we're gonna have to yeah. play each other at with 800 people here. It was, <laughs> it's, it's like for sure the worst every time. Yeah, um, no, it never feels good. Um I guess the one the one silver lining was the the last time I played him was actually the finals of the last draft pod and that was the winning in for top eight. So we kind of sat down and went, you know, at least one of us is in top eight for sure. We just don't know which one. And we we agreed that the the winner would buy dinner for the other one just so it, you know, stung a little bit less, which was which was nice. And that was a really nice. good idea on nice. his part. That is a good deal. Yeah, I told Isaac if we ever met in the finals of any event, like I do not care what happens. Like yep. it does we already not made it. Yeah. yeah we're if we're there. both, both in the finals, <laughs> like incredible job and yeah, you can win Isaac. It's just too, too much pressure for me <laughs> in that, in that moment. Um, so tell us a bit about like your preparation for nationals. So you got convinced you freaking grinded it out and then what? So were you on like, uh, a different deck besides Lexi leading up to nationals or were you just like Lexi is going to win it? And when you went to nationals, I know this is a lot of questions and you'll, you'll get there. You're, you got a big brain. Um, <laughs> uh, were you like trying to win, you know, were you like, I got to win mm -hmm. nationals a hundred percent or were you just like, I, I just want to make day two or, or what, you know? Right. And this is in the context of, I guess, a month or two before nationals. And then the two, three weeks before for you, I guess, Lightning Briar wins at UK. Right. Um, so tell us about, you know, yeah, all of Taylor's sure. questions within that context of, you know, the before and after bomb. Yeah, totally. So initially kind of I didn't really realize that I was going to be grinding for nationals until September, I think, which gave me about a month. And I really didn't have very much experience at all. I had gone camping a whole bunch over the summer and I hadn't really been playing armory. So I, I was playing a lot of webcam events at a lot of stores that I'd never played up before. Um, but I did manage to get there. Luckily, the Canadian XP leaderboards are not too bad at the moment. The scene is not huge. It's, it's definitely less XP than... Um, than for you folks in the States. Um, coming up though, um, I was mostly focused on draft prep initially, just because I figured I could get a pretty big edge with the limited background that I have in Magic. And I also knew that for our for our event, it was um, the, the format was three rounds, uh, three rounds constructed, three rounds draft, three rounds constructed, and then day two. And then day two was three rounds of draft and um, and then cut to top eight, which was constructed. So draft was half of your Swiss rounds and that's a huge deal. And I just figured that that was a great place to start. Um, another contributing factor was that 
at the time I was on PRISM, I had played it all through Road to Nationals. And after the banning of uh, Seeds of Agony for Chain, PRISM looked to be you know, one of the decks to beat. And I just said, well, I'm really comfortable with this deck. Um, so I always kind of have this as a, you know, a comfort pick and I can lean into this if I need to. So I was mostly focused on draft. I did tinker with Lightning Lexi a little bit just because how could I resist? I, I love Ranger. <laughs> um, but I ultimately felt like the deck is, at least the, the deck that I was building was a little bit, um, it was very linear, very fragile. I felt like you could, when you drew well, you could beat just about anybody, but I also felt like you could kind of fold to just about anybody if they drew enough Command and Conquers and pressured you the right ways. It was, it was really hard. You didn't have that much control over the game. So I wasn't too hot on Lightning Lexi. Um, and then where things really shifted was, like you said, uh, UK Nats, Lightning Briar came out and I was watching this deck and at first I was like, this deck is hilarious. Like it's playing all these cards that nobody plays, like Nimbleism <laughs> totally. and just totally. like, is, is this real? And then the more I watched it, I was like, okay, this deck's actually very, very good. Um, but as soon as I saw it, I went, well, I know de what deck is going to have a good matchup against this. It's it's Ice Lexi. And, and I kind of knew that because I had been playing Ice Lexi in Blitz actually the whole time. Uh, I just thought it was really fun. And I thought it was actually pretty well positioned in the meta. I have a pretty strong Ice, Ice Lexi deck in Blitz. It's a little bit, uh, Ira's a little bit of a tough matchup. I think you have game, but it's hard. But um, a lot of your other matchups are really good. Like you just crushed Dorenthia, for example. You're very good into Briar. Um, so I had already had a bunch of experience piloting the deck and also had some good thoughts about like ratios, what cards I wanted, things like that. So I had, I had tuned the list quite a bit and actually the list that I took to Nationals is almost exactly the list that I ended up drafting up, uh, that weekend after UK Nats, I went, okay, um, you know, I have a blitz deck. That's not a CC deck. I'm going to make some tweaks, bring, bring in some more targeted cards, adjust things, make sure I have sideboard plans. But, um, but yeah, it's almost exactly the list that I had started with. And, um, yeah, I, I was just super happy with the list. It was very, very good into Briar. Um, I think in my testing and my Swiss rounds and top eight, I think I'm something like, I must be something like 25 and one versus Lightning Briar. It's it's absurd. I, I do think that they can, as Briar, if they practice the matchup and they know how to sideboard and they, they're a little bit more comfortable, I do think that it's, it's probably not quite that favorable, but I do think it's very, very good for, for Ice Lexi. So yeah, um, that's kind of how I settled on the deck. Nice. Um, I'm very excited yeah. excited to hear that Ice Lexi is good in Blitz. Um, I'm not a big Blitz fan, but you got to play it at some point, and it's just exciting for me to you know play some Blitz, some Blitz Ranger. So yeah, I'll remember totally. that for I later. Think, yeah, <laughs> right, I think sorry, it's really back, solid. Back to the back to the main topic. <laughs> yeah, no worries. Um, yeah, so. In terms of my matchups and things like that, I felt like the obviously the deck to beat was um, was Briar, and I wanted to have a good matchup there. So Ice Lexi checked that box, and the other matchup that I felt like I really needed to make sure I had under control was uh, was Bravo, because um, Bravo was still a pretty popular deck, and it's a big enough like our, our our event wasn't as big as the U.S. Nationals. We had about I think it was a 96 player cap, and we had about 80 
283 players show up, but it's still a big enough event that you don't know what you're going to come across. And I wanted to make sure I had a plan into Bravo. Um, as I play tested, the matchup was far better than I ever imagined it would have been. I thought it was going to be very difficult, but, um, you know, taxing his defense reactions is, is very, very good. When you make, um, sinks or fate for scenes cost one resource, they become actually pretty terrible cards. And, and same thing with unmovable. If you put it from three to four, um, the card's just not very good. So you're just talking about yeah. opening with Lexi's ability to give him a frostbite, right? Not yeah. hard advice. Yeah. No, not hard advice. I had started with it and then I just realized like I'm already giving them a frostbite. Putting it up to two doesn't really do anything. They're playing a bunch of blue cards. I'm actually just kind of taxing myself and not getting tunics effect as well. Yeah. And it, it fucks up the whole cost curve of your deck. <laughs> it's like really rough. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it really does. I think I think it could maybe be good if you're on lightning, perhaps. But um, but yeah, for ice, it's just not really a card that I'm interested in running, unless you really want some. I don't know if you wanted it for Kano or something. I could see that. I think it's probably quite good into Kano. But, the, um, the frostbite yeah. does that anyway into Kano as well, right? So then yeah. they kind of only have to play on your turn. Um, yeah, yeah, or, exactly. So. Um, yeah. I mean, it does have the arcane barrier as well, which helps, but, um, but yeah, I, I just, the card I thought was important and the more I played, the more I was like, well, no, you just don't need this. Um, and I felt like you could really be pretty good into control. You can go very wide by setting up six card hands and sort of attacking with three arrows. Um, and you can also go really, really tall with dominate, um, and just push through damage. They, they run out of defense reactions. They run out of armor and you can chip in. So my plan was to board up a little bit. I was playing, I think 68 or 69 cards in that matchup with one remembrance. I brought in some yellow weave ices, some extra red arrows, and um, I felt really good in the matchup. I think that if they're on a fatigue plan, I was quite favored. Um, and I think that if they were trying to play more of a straight up um, race you and try to cripple you, um, the matchup's closer and harder for sure. But I still think it's it's pretty reasonable for Lexi. So I was, you know, when I had those two matchups squared away, I was pretty happy with the deck. And um, Certainly, I didn't have as much time to prepare as I would have liked. I was in the middle of preparing report cards, but I felt like um, I could kind of draw on a lot of my Blitz experience, actually. Like, I, I knew what Dorenthia played like in Blitz. I knew what, um, I don't know, I, I knew what Bolton played like in Blitz. I knew that Bolton's really card-hungry, so he's going to have trouble. I, I did test the Prism matchup a little bit, and... I felt like I could draw conclusions there pretty quick just because I had played a lot of Prism. So I was actually very confident in the deck and I felt like all my matchups were at least close and many of them were actually good. The one matchup I was quite worried about was uh, was Ulten. So, but, you know, wasn't expecting too much. And I think that most decks in this format, if not all, have a tough matchup, so. Yeah, totally. It's very It's a very healthy time. Well, that's that's super dope. I'm like super psyched on Ice Ranger. It's so yeah. cool. Um, <clears throat> what I did wanted, do you know what the like meta breakdown was for Canadian Nats? Like how many of this hero, that hero, et cetera? Yeah, so I don't think that they gave us a full day one breakdown, but we did see the day two breakdown. 
in terms of which is sort of like a funny breakdown to look at because we played one round of draft and then it was top eight. But in terms of the decks that made it to the top tables, there was, um, I think it was about like 8% Lexi, 4% Old Time, um, 55% Briar or something like that. And we had a Kano in there. Um, And that's most of it. There's a few other decks sprinkled in, but that was the vast majority um, which just kind of matches up with my experience in the event. I saw like I saw a few dashes as well. There might have been some dashes in, in day two as well. Um, but yeah, primarily primarily Briar. There actually really wasn't even that much Bravo, which surprised me. Um, I played one in round one, and then I never really played against or even really saw Bravos like sitting close by. So mm. that surprised me, but. Um, Nice. Did you beat the round one Bravo? I, I did. Yeah, it was it was a fairly close game. Um, he managed to. I had a bit of an off turn where I pushed damage but no disruption, and he was able to get off a crippling crash and then go back to back with a terror sunder. And it was I was on the back foot, but I did manage to kind of claw back tempo and slowly chip in for damage. And I had a little bit of a surprise lethal off of. Um, off of shock charmers, I don't think he quite realized that um, that I could kill him, but but I did have it because I had the blue in hand and a tunic resource. So nice, yeah, yeah. So, I I felt like well, a couple points there. At least at U.S. Nationals, um, it's like Lightning Briar has such a good matchup into like Bravo and prism and like these other decks that like i were i was personally worried about so in that case it's just like yeah once you make day two or once you just win like three or four games then it's just like mostly lightning briars so that at least made you know my concern about bravo quite a bit less since it just gets kind of trampled by the other top tier deck um which really helps uh (laughs) helps this game plan yeah, totally. And I was sort of on a similar game plan of just, I need to do, I was most nervous about the first rounds. I was just like, I don't know what I'll run into and sort of hoping that at least I know what my deck does and hopefully my opponent doesn't really. And maybe that gives me a little bit of edge in the matchup. Um, but but yeah, I, I did wind up facing, you know, like a Bravo and then a Kino that I lost to. Um, then like Briar, I think I played the Mirror once, which was a bit of a disaster. I was it was the very last round of day one and I just did not play very well, but you know, it happens and it was it was kind of good. A little bit of a wake up call to not let down my guard. Um which worked, right? Yeah. Because then you you just go undefeated day two all the way to the finish in our yeah. national champ. So Yeah, I had to three on my draft to get in. I, I went to day two uh, six and three and the way that I worked out was that you needed to be nine and three to get in a, a few nine a few eight and fours did get in but it was all people from the the top table so kind of knew going into that day that I had to win out of the draft in order to in order to get there so which is quite a lot of pressure for draft I mean even I know I know you're very comfortable with draft but it's like you know you can uh get past weird things you can get weird signals you can just like drop the ball yourself there's like a lot of you know a lot of factors that that go on there um totally so tell it so you you went six and oh in draft in this event and obviously you're well practiced in magic um were you 
are you just comfortable at the draft table, like day two draft table? Are you pretty comfortable? And is it just automatic? Are you, are you able to read and pilot, you know, all of the tales archetypes? Are you pretty, uh, yeah. Yeah. I would say that I've drafted and feel pretty comfortable playing anything. Um, I've played, you know, lightning and Earthbriar hybrid ones. Um, I've played Lexi quite a bit. Um, I've also played old time, mostly earth at old time. I guess, I guess I don't have a lot of experience as like a ice old time is the one thing I haven't really played, but I do have some ideas of what the deck might look like. Um, so going in, I was really just interested in finding the open seat. I think in this format, because there's only three heroes, often it breaks down as there's three, three, and two. And what I was finding is that if you can be the two, whatever hero there's only two of you often had a really, really powerful deck and it was yeah. one of the best ways to, to do well. And in both my drafts, um, I felt like lightning as well as Lexi was actually quite undervalued. I think people were worried about the old time matchup, which honestly I was as well. Um, Lexi was maybe my last choice to draft, but I'm um, at the same time, I, I just value drafting the open archetype more than I do um, picking the one that I want the most. Um, and it really paid off. In the in the first draft, I was one of two Lexis, and in the last draft, I was actually the only Lexi my deck was. Completely oh, absurd. Awesome. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I had like more overflex and pumps than I could play. I had uh, like an ice package I could board into or a lightning package I could board into. It was just, um, it was ridiculous. Like, I had like everything. A real I think deck. I had a full suite of, full suite of armor. It was just... Um, yeah, it's the best deck I've ever drafted by far. That's crazy. Nice. That's so cool. Yeah. So like we just had our local skirmish, which skirmish season is like season three is like over for us because ours mm-hmm. was like day one, weekend one, which kind of sucks. But um like lightning was like super open in pack one. So I'm like drafting lightning, like this is great. And I had like drafted some early like power briar cards uh like rights of lightning was uh my like pack one pick one and then somebody passed me another red one and i was like sweet let's see if uh lightning's open and then it was and so i was just cutting the person off to my left like so hard like sending signals like rune blade is not open lightning is not open you know pack two comes around and or the draft is over and i was like Homer was on my left. I'm like, are you also on Briar? And he was like, yeah. I was like, what are you doing? You know? (laughs) And so like I wound up with kind of like a, you know, I was missing some key pieces. It was still like a really powerful deck because uh, of packs one and three where I had great signals, but pack two just like kind of skimped me on like a few things. Um, Mm. So even though like me and Isaac talked about this a lot, like, I'm pretty, I was like, we talked about the whole draft because he was like way across the other table. And I was like, we drafted our like correct seats, um, but nobody else really did. And so that just like really messed a lot of stuff up for us. And um, it's just like, I don't know. I don't know how to go around that. You know what I mean? Like, how do I pivot in pack two? You know, I have no clue. I was like yeah, stuck. That, yeah, that is one thing that's a little bit tricky with um, with Fab is that you don't have that much ability to pivot. 
um, you kind of, I feel like you're usually pretty locked in by pick like six, seven, eight, somewhere in there. Yeah. You're pretty committed. Um, and yeah, sometimes you just have a messy draft pod and it happens. Um, I guess the good thing is often when that happens, most people's decks are also kind of not great. Like it kind of affects the whole pod and, and you play in pod, which is nice. But, um, but yeah, sometimes you just have a really tough seed or, you know, somebody ends up cutting you and it, it can definitely happen. And it's something that, you know, I was hoping wouldn't happen. And, and luckily it didn't. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Uh, amazing job to uh, just go six zero and draft. We talked about it on our podcast and um, kind of like in our discord and stuff a little bit, like the dual format of nationals, like the limited part is for sure how you separate yourself from the rest of the field you know like isaac only dropped one game in his like six rounds of draft too and like that for sure uh helps him get to uh you know top eight at nationals and that sort of thing so yeah not nationals format is so cool like when i went into day two i was six and two by then so then I'm like a little less comfortable on draft than you are. And so then at that point I was like, like day one, it was like awesome. But day two, you're like, God, I have to, I have to really do well, you know? And, uh, it's just a little nerve wracking. Um, yeah. Or at least for me, it was just cause I didn't feel like confident enough to beat my no, for table sure. at nationals day two, you know? Yeah, I, I was also pretty nervous, um, mostly because I knew I had to three zero. Um, like two yeah. two oneing felt. I, I think I would have been pretty darn confident being able to go two one, but um, but three zeroing is always hard. Um, and I, I was hoping to come into day two at, at seven and two, but um, I didn't do well in the last round of constructed. I played very poorly in the mirror. Um, it was it an ice lexi mirror or a lightning? Yeah, it was an ice lexi mirror, and I had all the tempo. And then um, I had a turn where I could have chosen to play channel like frigid or um, or pressure a little bit more and arsenal it, which is the line that I ended up taking. And then I whiffed on. I didn't draw an ice card in the next hand, and I couldn't play it or i couldn't keep it around and then my opponent got out channel like frigid and started getting really far ahead um i ended up having to block with my equipment and i think i put after i got rid of lightning press i put i'm sorry after i got rid of new horizon i put lightning press in my arsenal which is never a good thing and yeah i had to have this judge call of can i lightning press their attack after damage has been calculated so at least i don't hurt myself and i think i had to like pitch a card to play my lightning press it was just awful um, so yeah I've, I've thought about that with blizzard before i'm like god do i just blizzard my own attack here just to get this card out of here you know yeah Which is a little a easier than lightning one. press <laughs> Okay, we had some weird technical difficulties, but we're back now. Go ahead, everybody. Continue on as you were. All right, well, so walk us through your your top eight experience, you know, however you would. 
Yeah, for sure. So coming into top eight, um, I'm feeling pretty good just coming off a 3-0 draft, um, feeling fairly confident. The top eight mostly looks very good for me. I think there was five Briars, five Briars, a chain, uh, Oldham, and, and myself. Um, so of those, um, chain's a reasonable matchup. Um, not as good as Briar, but definitely winnable. And and Briar is exactly what what I brought the deck for, so that's great. And then the one matchup I'm really hoping to dodge is um, is the Oldham player who I actually had played previously in Swiss, and um, man, the game wasn't even close. Um, it was just so brutal. It feels like a really tough matchup, and I'm not sure that you can shore it up with Ice Lexi. Maybe maybe with the right build and plan, but I I definitely wasn't prepared for that matchup coming into the event. So that was kind of my biggest fear in the top eight. But my first round was against uh, was against Dante Delfico on Briar. And sort of knew that I just pod. had to... Yeah, yeah. So I had to kind of focus on that game and, and worry about that first. And I didn't have a lot of control over whether or not Ultim won his match. So um, I just said, well, I'm just going to do my best against Dante. Um, I was, I believe, sixth seed seventh seed coming in um so i actually ended up being well my opponent had the choice every single match which is not ideal um they chose to go first every single match which i think is correct Mm -hmm. but um i think that a lot of players just were caught a little bit off guard they didn't seem to be practiced against um the matchup i saw people trying to use their tunics when they had frostbites and then realizing they couldn't and then you know maybe having to discard a chilling ice vein as a result um i was gonna i was gonna bring that up that is the most clutch rule that they cannot use tunic to pay for frostbite because otherwise it'd be a lot easier on the briar players like that was just the all-star of every game really in that matchup totally yeah no it's it's so incredibly good um because at first i thought like oh the frostbite is basically a hamstring shot but the fact that it locks up their tunic is yeah it's a huge deal it's super huge yeah in our like limited testing um i was always on the the verse the ice deck with tunic and you're just like should i just side this out in this matchup because it like over the course of the game, instead of it getting me six resources, it maybe gets me two. You know what I mean? Like it just yeah. never gets its value whatsoever. So, yeah, it's uh, right. It's and like a huge bonus that Lexi has is you take away like one of the best, most efficient pieces in the game, you know? And it, ma- it makes it so one frostbite is like a whole, right? Because specifically for this zero cost deck, one frostbite is minus one card for them, which is astoundingly powerful, you know, and uh, without the tunic to bail them out, it's just like one card less for every turn. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's really, really good because even if they have a blue or something, they, they don't really need the resources. Like maybe they pitch the blue and they get a Rosetta thorn off and get to save their tunic. But then again, it's just like the tunic's just kind of sitting there not getting yep. value. So hundred percent. So yeah, I, I agree that the, the tunic's very awkward into the ice deck. Um, 
another thing that ended up happening quite a bit was um, some of my opponents were trying to make rune chants on the first turn by pitching two cards, which lets me set up an arrow into arsenal on their turn and then come at them with a five card hand when I was going second, which is actually pretty good. It makes um, like normally I would like to go first and get the six card hand and really grab tempo, but um, you know if I get to get the arrow in arsenal on their turn because they've thrown away some of their hand. Um, it makes the matchup quite a bit more favorable um, or, or makes it quite a bit easier to start with. Um, yeah, going into top eight, honestly, a lot of the games are a little bit of a blur. Um, I played Briar every single match. I drew very well for the most part. I was hitting three of a kinds. I was, you know, hitting my arrows. I was fusing. It just felt like the deck was really humming. Um, I had a little bit of awkwardness in some of my Briar matchups earlier in the day, like uh, in some of the Swiss rounds, um, or I guess the previous day, but in top eight, it was just perfect. The deck was doing exactly what I wanted. Um, and I felt like most of the games were like close on life totals, but not very, they didn't feel very close. I felt like I was always in control and, and kind of things were on my terms. I was able to keep them off of too many embodiments and just really, really pull ahead. Um, yeah, I guess one notable play was uh, there was one turn in semifinals against Isaac where um, I had pretty much had the game locked up. I think he, I think we were both at twelve, and uh, I had a full hand, and I had three of a kind. Uh, I think I had an ice quake, a blue ice quake in arsenal, a red ice quake in hand, and I had played them out and then played my three of a kind. But the thing I was missing was an arrow. And I was drawing my cards up one at a time, just trying to be like, make sure I don't overdraw or something, something silly. Um, and I have my first card's a, a blue card and I already have a blue in my hand. It's not an arrow. I draw another blue ice card. I'm going, oh my goodness, is this going to be like, you know, a repeat of, <laughs> of your experience? Um, Got him. And then my last one is a, is a yellow, a yellow arrow. And, um, and I'm kind of looking, I'm like, well, I'm glad I got the arrow. This still isn't ideal. I can only attack once. And if he blocks it out, like it's not like I'm, I'm at least he uses his hand, but it's not great for me. Um, so I'm kind of sitting there in the tank a little bit. And I'm actually pretty stressed out and I just have to like gather myself and collect myself and try to not let him know that I'm stressed out. <laughs> um, so what I end up doing is I end up putting the arrow in and giving it go again. Um, because I want him to think that I actually have more arrows coming and I want him to be kind of afraid. And, and it, it was still a, since it's a yellow arrow, I had the plus three and the plus one, it ends up being an attack for eight go again. Um, so he wasn't too hot awesome. on blocking it out. I think he threw one card down and I just pitched all my blues into shock charmers. I got, I think I had like a tunic and one resource floating plus two more blues. So I activated shock charmers four times and it was on a chilling ice vein. So I just, you know, I put him down to two, took his whole hand, arsenaled my pulse that I had fused with just to not let on that I had a bunch of ice cards in my hand or a bunch of blues in my hand. Um, awesome. That is the sickest yeah. play. Yeah. That's yeah. No, so, it felt great. That's so dope. In, uh, for the listeners at home, we have like uh, our videos on and Yuki is like pretty stone cold like this whole time and is like very stoic and it's it's really fun. But during this story, you know, she got a little bit more animated and was like 
uh, obviously like, oh yeah, this was a dope play. No big deal. <laughs> I know it. Everybody knows it now, you know? So that's yeah. just totally the Voltaire go again. Bluff is the sick. Like one of my favorites is the, I'll like end my turn with the, well, cause I was using bracers, right. But with the endless arrow go again. So they're like, ah, and then they have to block and it's like perfect. Or I had one, one play against, mm-hmm. um, uh, I think, yeah, how I beat Tyler Horsepool, I, I saved three cards and I went down um, down to two. I had two life, he had four. Um, he was running Bloodsheath in that game, which was like pretty gnarly. Um, mm-hmm. But I saved three cards, a yellow, a Bolton Shot, and an Endless Arrow. So I played the Bolton Shot um, with one floating and he thinks he has to block it out because then I, I load an arrow for free and can afford to play it, you know? So he has to block that out, and then I play the Endless Arrow for for go again, and one of his cards doesn't block, right? So then it hits, and then I can Bracers it in to kill him at the end. Um, right. Sorry, I just re- I just remembered that play. Um, that was, like, yeah, my, my proudest moment in that tournament, I think, was, like, it just felt like, it feels like range, like, knowing the class you're piloting into players who are like kind of unprepared for what you're doing um Mm -hmm. coupled with that just the like um it's just hard to it's hard to truly understand the versatility of voltaire until you like pilot it for a while because like plays like like your (laughs) your awesome awesome go again bluff you know is like something you don't think about when you read the card but that coupled with shock charmers is just like, then they have to think about, you know, well, I lose either way, whether I block this out and then can't block the next one. Or if I save some for the next one, you know, it's, uh, yeah. it's just super, super powerful and very fun to, uh, bring that kind of, uh, you know, poke poker match bluffing game to the table. Definitely. Totally. Uh, I would just like everybody to know that I've also done cool plays in flesh and blood. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, no, I, I agree that Lexi and Voltaire really lend themselves to those kind of um, interesting decision trees and interesting plays. Um, there's a lot of times also where I'll give go again and maybe have like an arrow face up in my arsenal. And if they don't block, I'll attack with it to make sure that I shut down their turn even more by forcing more discard or more frostbites. But if they do block, I'm pretty happy to just keep it an arsenal card and save it for next turn to make sure I can keep disrupting them because I've already got in their hand or all but one card and they have a frostbite and like, what are they going to do? So yeah, there's often a lot of interesting lines and ranger that you really need to play and get some reps in with to to appreciate just like how much Mm -hmm. flexibility you have and it's often like do i need to pour on the gas right now to get tempo because they're not blocking or do i need to um, just set up for next turn and make sure that i can keep disrupting them because yeah even though even though the matchup is very good if if you have an off turn the briar deck just does so much damage and then we'll get a whole bunch of embodiments like it can it can spiral out of control really really fast on you so balancing that is um, a lot of fun and and really really interesting i think yeah definitely and that's like that type of um you know game 
theory or analysis or recognizing those type of play patterns, like definitely separate good players from uh, average players, right? Like an average player would be like, oh, sweet, you like blocked. I'll just play out this card to deal more damage, but not understanding that if you get to play another five or in Lexi's case, like a six card hand, that's even more powerful because then you can continually uh, strip their cards and it makes for like such a smaller window um, for them to like block with two cards and kind of apply a little bit extra pressure, right? Like that's, Mm -hmm. that's what you're really doing is playing for your next turn in your next turn, not just, that particular uh window for sure so yeah yeah i think the ice deck you you need to kind of know what your deck does and what your opponent's deck does and you're often playing you know two three even maybe four turns ahead you're thinking about like you know my turn right now my opponent's turn how much they can dish back and how many embodiments they'll get and how much can i pressure them next turn to make sure that they also have an off turn the following turn so there's a lot of like pre-planning and and yeah, it's it's a very interesting deck. Um, yeah, totally. It reminds me a lot of like early days when I was playing like Viserai. Like, okay, if I attack with the sword right now, I will have like potentially only one rune chant. And what does that mean? You know, like that deck was like, you know, in the early parts of the meta, that was like something you had to consider was like, you know, if I attack now and I have less rune chance or if I attack with this and I have more rune chance, what does that mean in terms of like the game cards left in my deck, what my opponent can do to me, how I can like pivot off of that, et cetera, you know? Yeah. They're a different resource. Yeah. 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 Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Ice Lexi has a, also some of her hit effects are, um, kind of redundant sometimes which makes it really interesting because you it's like if if you hit them with a discard or pay and they pitch a blue then switching to giving them frostbites is more productive than having them you know pay one more or discard and vice versa right like once they have one frostbite yeah if they have three it's way better because they don't have a lot of blues but it's like once they have one then stripping a card is also just greater returns and uh that's a pretty fun little i don't know game you're playing like on your side of the table like trying to like maximize your different you know different attacks and you know different ways to uh strip their their power yeah for sure and um yeah it's actually part of the reason that um that i have shock charmers in the deck as well is that it just it really kind of takes that to the next level you can like a lot of in in the list that I was running, a lot of the blues are also ice cards, so you can use them to fuse, and then you have the option to put them in arsenal and use them for disruption. But you also have the option just to pitch them into shock tremors. And often, if you have like one floating or a tunic resource, you can get uh, two triggers off of it, which is which is a ton, right? Like you can you can sometimes go from you know maybe one or two frostbites up to four, which is a really crucial breakpoint. And same thing with the chilling ice vein. Like just like you said, they might have a blue, and you go well. If they take this, they'll have one resource floating, but if I shock charmers twice, then that's going to get a whole extra card from their hand. Um, so there's a lot of interesting, I don't know, flexibility that's given to you by that card. Yeah. Sick. Um, <clears throat> so so then in the finals, uh, well, I, I kind of 
wanted to hearken back to this um, kind of from the beginning of the pod. Did you go into nationals wanting to like be the national champ? Was that the whole goal when you uh, signed up? Yeah. I mean, I knew there was a lot of good players and I wasn't sure exactly how far I could get. Um, In terms of a goal, I, I definitely really wanted a day two and felt like I had a pretty good shot at day twoing. And, um, I also thought I had a pretty good shot at top eighting if I could day two, just cause the last portion was draft and I was pretty confident in that. So I was really going for top eight and just trying to see how well I could do. Um, but I think that once I sat down and I saw the metagame and especially once old him, uh, so, so Demos ended up losing to Isaac in the in the other quarterfinals match. I was actually sitting next to them, and after my game, I just sat and watched them, and it was an incredible match, very, very intense, right down to the wire. Um, but once I saw that Oldham was knocked out, and I realized that it was Briars the whole way, um, I sort of went, "Wow, I." I'm in a great spot. Like this couldn't be better. Um, and all I need to do is just play well. And as long as I don't, you know, have some really unfortunate draws or something or make some major mistakes, like I can definitely take this down. So, um, yeah, I was definitely coming in hoping to win. Um, but you know, I guess when there was a certain point where I felt like I was like, Oh, I think this is going to happen. And, um, I felt like I had all the momentum and certainly after beating, uh, Dante in the quarters, I was like, well, you know, um, I wasn't too familiar with Isaac or Sean, but like Dante's a pretty darn good player. Like how much worse could it be? Right. So, um, yeah, I just felt super confident at that point. And, um, yeah, the games went really, really well for me. So very, uh, very fortunate. Nice. Hell yeah. Um, yeah. The, a- oh, mine's a joke. So I'm going to say it first. Uh, just just the like buzz around canada was just like uh who's who's gonna win second because everybody thought dante was going to be like the canadian national champ and as much as i like dante i'm really happy that there's like a bit of parody you know um and that it's like ice lexi and it's and it's you our new friend is just it's just freaking sweet just really it's really cool yuki i'm really i'm really happy for you Go ahead, Isaac. Yeah. Thank you. And really, really, uh, you know, making all of us Ranger players proud and giving us hope. You know, that's like super, super rad. Um, that's awesome. Yeah. I, uh, I So I had a little bit of a technical question. I did not actually own Shock Charmers when I went, so I didn't even think about it. But do you run Frostfang instead of CNC? Because you can pitch a blue for Frostfang and then pitch another blue and like double Charmers it. Um, I do run it instead of CNC. Um, the Charmers on Frostfang's not amazing since um, Charmers only it only copies on damage effects, so it's really good with the fuse ice arrows, but it's not oh. so good with Frostfang's on hit. Frostfang is a hit effect. Yeah, it's a hit effect oh, okay. instead. Um, but I do play it because it's an ice card. And one of this is actually something I discovered. It was tech I discovered in Blitz. Originally, I had CNCs in my list like you. And I also had um, Enlightened Strikes as well. And what I realized was that those cards were great for increasing the power level of your deck. But I also felt like it hurt the consistency. Um, there was a lot of times where I would draw three of a kind and 
I would just draw like a command and conquer and light and strike. And I'm like, what is this stupid card doing in my hand right now? Like it doesn't, it doesn't pitch. It doesn't fuse. I guess I can arsenal it, but I probably want to arsenal an ice card. Like it's just the last thing that I want to see. Um, and especially in blitz where the game is so condensed, like that little bit of awkwardness can, can lose the game for you on the spot. So, um, I originally had tried like a one of ice fang just to get, you know, another threat in the deck that wasn't an arrow that I could play um, to kind of enable like some three attack turns. And also um, another thing that I found awkward about Enlightened Strike and Command and Conquer is that they can't, um, you can't buff them with Weave Ice or with Pulse. And um, I was looking at Pulse and I'm like, man, this card is like, this card's supposed to be one of the best cards in my deck. But when I had, you know, Enlightened Strike or Command and Conquer, it's just, it's the last thing that I want to have. Um, so I tried a one of Frostfang and almost immediately it went up to a two of in my blitz deck and I took that over to CC as well. I decided to stick with two because I don't think you ever, like you really don't want to draw multiples of it, but the, the card is really impressive. And to anybody who is playing Ice Ranger um, or Ice Lexi, I would definitely recommend trying it. I think you won't be disappointed. The card is incredibly effective. Um, there's some really cool lines that you can do with it. Like, um, like one of them is pitching a blue and playing a red ice quake and then attacking with frost fang. And usually you've flipped up either the ice quake or the frost fang. So you've already given them a frostbite. You're attacking for eight with a discard on hit and another frostbite on hit. So you're taking two cards from their hand minimum. It's this really awkward attack to block out as well. And that's really powerful. Um, also, Pulse with, with Frostfang is incredible. If you ever flip up a Pulse and go nine go again on my Frostfang to start my turn, it's just like, what does your opponent even do? It's gross. gross. Yeah, yeah, gross so, indeed. Yeah, the card is very, very good, and I would never imagine cutting it. I play it in every matchup. I think it's great. Nice. And uh, so that brings up, a, I guess, a, a universal point with all of the new heroes from the last two sets and their talents, right. Is like, um, they're just so chained to the, to their game plan, right. That if you want to, um, pull from the toolbox of, you know, their class cards, your, your game plan or your consistency goes way down, right. Like, Mm -hmm. um, like, yeah, I like, I don't run enlightened strikes. I do run command and conquers for the ice quake CNC combo. But, um, you know, I saw like you run sleep dart, which I'm sure is like awesome against lightning briar. And, uh, yeah, I like shied away from it because it's one less weave ice target, et cetera, et cetera, you know, but, um, it's just, that's another thing that's really hard to, um, kind of weigh is like what, you know, what generic ranger or, you know, whatever class tools are powerful enough to merit decreasing the synergy of my deck you know um and i guess you you know you got there like you run sleep dart and endless arrow and do you run remorseless yeah i run remorseless i run gotcha. red bolton shot i i usually never have all of those cards in um right i would typically leave some of them in the sideboard um yeah just because because like you said you, it does decrease your consistency um, I wound up feeling like the sleep dart was just too good to pass up on though. It's really good into Briar and it's actually good into a lot of matchups. Um, mm-hmm. it can be pretty funny in 
the in the mirror as well. Um, <laughs> if if your opponent has an arrow face down, like yep. they have to block it, or they just what are they going to do? Attack you once? Um, totally, ranger is the best yeah. against ranger. <laughs> yeah, it's surprising, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, that's funny. So so then, when do you bring in those extra? uh non uh elemental ranger cards is that is that kind of your bravo package yeah it kind of depends um so i was playing remorseless and bolton shots all of the time against briar i brought in the sleep darts and i would bring in like one or two endless arrows um, against Bravo, I wouldn't play the sleep darts. And against most of the control decks, I wouldn't play the sleep darts. It's just not very good against them. Right. And I would bring in, um, so I board those out. I would bring in like the cold waves and the flake outs and also bring in the, um, the yellow weave ices. And that was sort of my, my tech for Bravo. Um, just getting much more dominate was was really good, and and the yellow weave ice with the frost fang is also really nice because it pushes it up to a seven, and that's um, you know those break points are always really relevant. Um, so yeah, against Bravo, I was often boarding up to maybe like 68, 69 cards. Some of the other control decks like uh, like Dash or like Prism, um, I think are a little less prone to trying to fatigue you, and a little bit more like they'll like dash will pressure you quite a bit and it's a little bit more of a of a race so i i would maybe board up to 65 or so cards um but yeah usually just trying to pick the best arrows for the matchup and i think i always had at least some of them in my sideboard yeah sick <laughs> nice way to maintain your ratios that's what it's all about yeah absolutely yeah you very much have to have uh, yeah, you have to make sure that your 60 card ratio and if you're boarding up that you keep that same ratio otherwise your deck's just not gonna not gonna do what you want it to consistently. Yeah. Awesome. I thought you uh ranger nerds were just going to keep going for forever. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, I could talk all night, but you know. Uh. <laughs> Uh, we do well, have yeah. a, a limited limited time on our podcast. Totally, y'all just keep going. I got to pull up uh, the cards for our signature segment. So, um, ooh, nice. Just, just keep going. Yeah. Um, sure. Well, I have a um, couple fun questions here. Mm-hmm. Uh, is there anything in particular you are looking for or looking forward to in the uh, upcoming festival? upcoming festival um i'm really curious to kind of get some of the like i I don't follow the fab lore that much but i am kind of intrigued by this one it just seems so fun um i'm also really excited for the new cards um of course for ranger um but also for prism who i really like um, I think she could use some new tools and it could be quite interesting. Um, and, and maybe for some of the classes we haven't seen get cards in a long time, like, you know, like the Kano's and stuff, I think it's, it's really exciting. And, and I hope that they get, you know, a little bit of support because um, the meta, as much as the metagame is very diverse and in a pretty good place right now, I think it's, um, 
it'd be nice to see even more heroes in there and, and some of those underrepresented classes or underrepresented heroes get some tools. So I think that's what I'm mostly looking forward to. Yeah. Nice. How about you, yeah. Isaac? Uh, we just talked about this actually on our sister podcast a bit. So go check that out on YouTube. Um, I just signaled with my hand, but nobody can see me <laughs> since this is audio only. Um, but yeah, there are some classes like, like I talked about Reinar um, mm-hmm. is like super, that's actually a pretty nuanced class and kind of like difficult to play sometimes and really excels in a, like a mid range game, um, a game that I very much enjoy but he's been kind of left behind in this hyper aggressive monarch and post monarch meta. So like some Reinar tools and like you mentioned, Kano, um, you know, I'm not looking for any like game breaking cards, you know, but um, just, just more tools, you know, like a different chain lightning or whatever, just more tools for the toolbox and to make some of these, yeah, some of these characters, I guess more relevant, um, you know, we talked a little bit about like, you know, uh, I think like I personally think too many decks kind of auto lose to Lightning Briar, right? And mm-hmm. it doesn't have to be a favorable matchup or even a good one. But if you have some tools to be able to board in and stand a chance, right? And maybe you win one out of three, but just, you know, for those players whose characters aren't, um, very playable right now just to have the tools to be able to you know try at the matchup um would be like very nice i think yeah no i totally agree and and that was one of the cool things about crucible is it seemed to give a lot of the heroes new like new ways to play the class and that was like one of the most exciting things and and i hope we get some of that in in the festival as well just like new ways to interact with those heroes and like you said it's not about it being super powerful or game breaking it's just like more fun ways to enjoy the the heroes that we already have yeah definitely dope um before we get into our signature segments great stuff guys by the way uh i have some questions from uh twitter for you yuki um and then we'll get into uh the kind of more fun stuff um so first up from friend of the pod tommy fresh uh, what was the pivotal moment that made you decide to rock with Lexi? Yeah, definitely. I w- so I was talking about it, I think, while watching UK Nats. Um, I wasn't quite watching it live. I was, I was busy on the day, so I was kind of going through the VODs. But um, that weekend, I was like already talking about Lightning Lexi, or sorry, about Ice Lexi. And um you know, in my in my group chat with my testing team, and I think this is the deck to play um, either either Briar or Ice Lexi. And I was pretty set on Ice Lexi just because I love the deck and I thought it was it just seemed so sweet into the into the matchup. Um, but once I had tested and realized just how good it was, and also that the Bravo matchup was surprisingly good. Um, I pretty much locked in at that point. I think that was my biggest fear was that, you know, I, okay, I have a good matchup into Briar, but like, I don't want to be giving up tons of equity in all my other matchups, but yeah, just everywhere I was testing the deck, um, or at least in all the major matchups, it seemed to be, you know, really solid. And like, I felt like I had a fighting chance, which is, you know, a great place to be. So I think that was kind of really what 
solidified me into into ice Oxy was just seeing that you know the the game plan is actually pretty comprehensive and you have a lot of strategies to fight most of the heroes awesome next question from zane uh big spoon big spoon zane kept isaac warm and safe at nationals um why Icelexi versus Oldheim? Do you believe Icelexi has the tools to compete in the meta that may end up being more balanced slash less Briar centric? Yeah, I think that Icelexi absolutely does. Um, the big matchup that I think you would need to solve potentially is Oldheim if he becomes more popular. Um, I, I do think that that is a really tough matchup, and I don't have good answers into that, but the other matchups, some of them from testing and some of them more theoretical, but I think you have pretty good game plans. And I think that you certainly have the tools to adapt the deck to be able to compete with pretty much all the classes, except for maybe old time. Um, in terms of why I went for Ice Lexi, it was just the deck that I was more familiar with. Like I do have some of the old time cards, but I was missing a whole bunch of them. Like I don't have the tectonic plating. I don't have a bunch of the guardian cards. Um, and I don't have much experience on guardian either. So I just felt like it wasn't like, I, I sure I had three weeks instead of two weeks, but I wasn't confident in the amount of time I had to just like build something new, especially mm-hmm. since I was busy with report cards and work. And like, I just didn't have that much time to test, unfortunately. So, um, you know, Ice Lexi was a really natural pick just because I had been playing it in Blitz and I had a what I felt was a pretty tuned list and I had figured out my ratios, figured out what cards I wanted. And um, yeah, I just went for it. And you're a ranger at heart. That too. Yeah. I mean, I, I was the whole time. I think I was, um, maybe took a little bit longer to lock in Lexi just cause I wanted to make sure I was doing it because I thought it was a good pick and not because I wanted the deck to be good. Um, right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> yeah. You, both of you are just like a hunting pack of lionesses right now. <laughs> terrified over here as the gazelle (laughs) (laughs) Uh, um, this question from Alex you kind of have already answered in the previous two but uh, just to give Alex some airtime we're going to read it off anyway Uh, so Alex says given the meta climate and expecting people to either swap off of or hard target lightning slash zero cost briar did this impact your deck building choices or decisions of whether or not to bring Lexi at all? Yeah. So yeah, I think mostly covered it, but um, the, the big thing would be if there's a bunch of old times that start showing up, then yeah, that might make me less keen on the deck or at least go back to the drawing board. I have some crazy ideas about three of a kind and, take games and reloading multiple times and going very big, but I, I don't know if it's really good enough. Um, I, I didn't actually test it or anything. So don't, don't know if that's a good strategy. Um, so don't, don't quote me on that one, but it's just a idea I have kicking around to maybe, maybe combat the matchup. Have, have you seen Sasha Markovic's like wild <laughs> OTK Ranger list that, uh, 
he made back in the day? Yeah, I heard about it. And um, yeah, definitely somewhat inspired by that list. So I don't know. It could be something to look at and it might be a way to go over the top of old him. But, um, but again, yeah, it would require some some serious testing and hard work there to, to figure that out. <laughs> totally. Yeah, and unfortunately, all those reload cards do not work towards your other Lexi goals. It's the heartbreaking reality we all face. <laughs> yeah, totally. So it is interesting, though, because like, I don't know how much you need the disruption against old time specifically. So maybe, maybe, maybe there's like a sideboard package you could have. But uh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> it's very exciting. I... I uh, wish we could keep talking all night because there's a lot of stuff like we didn't really, I feel like, get to that I wanted to talk about, but we're, you know, at like an hour and a half here. So um, our listeners don't really keep listening if we go over two hours. So totally. <laughs> we're just we're just going to move it along here. Yeah. And we, um, we kind of care about that and try to keep it under <laughs> under <totally>. two <laughs> But we'll have yeah. to have you back on, Yuki, for just like, uh, you know, more hangs, more more talks, more podcasting. and Show stuff. off your second Nationals trophy. Things <laughs> like that. Well, hopefully we have her on before then. Oh, right. All right. Yeah. Yeah, I would love to love to be on the show again. It's been, been a lot of fun chatting with you, too. Hell yeah. Great. Well, that leads us into our signature segment. So... Um, first up is pick pass prey. It is a draft scenario. I'm going to give you three cards and you're going to let me know which one you're going to pick pass and prey comes back around. Are you ready? Yes. Perfect. Okay. First card is so tomorrow blue. It pitches for three costs one. It's an earth action defense for two. And it reads, Put target earth or elemental action card with cost two or greater from your graveyard on the bottom of your deck. Banish so tomorrow. If so tomorrow is played from arsenal, draw a card. Okay, that's the first card. Second card, weave lightning yellow. Pitches for two, costs zero. It's a lightning action and a defense for two. The next lightning or elemental attack action card you play this turn gains plus two. If it's fused, it gains go again, go again. Okay. Third card, red winter's bite. It pitches for one, costs zero, is an ice action, defends for two, and it reads target hero discards a card unless they pay three resources. Go again. The winds of winter are always hunting for prey on the slopes of Mount Eisen. All right, Yuki. Ranger Queen, National Champ. Which one are you going to pick? Which one are you going to pass? And which one are you going to pray? Comes back around. Yeah, it's a really interesting one. Um, it's very close. I think I lean towards the Yellow Weave Lightning. It's just such a powerful card, and it's not very... It's the least replaceable of them all, I think. I do really like blue so tomorrow, though. Um, just pitching blue for old time is very good, and it's also solid in the Briar deck. Um, it helps you against fatigue old time, and it's also just a non-attack that replaces itself, which is great. Um, 
I think, however, the Weave Lightning is a little bit um, harder to replace, and also it goes well into either Lexi or Briar, and then you can maybe perhaps wheel even maybe the So Tomorrow or or the other um, the, the other Ice card as well, and I would be looking to wheel either one really based on where the draft leads me. So if I'm in Lexi, I would want the Ice card, and if I'm Ultim, I'd want the Earth card. Nice. A little less definitive than usual, but I like it. Isaac, what are your picks? Um, yeah, I'm also going to pick Weave Lightning 100%. Uh, just because, yeah, like in Briar, um, the Fuse Go Again effect enables um, Rosetta, which is like the best card in the format. And then in Lexi, the Lexi Reveal more often probably um, enables uh, go again so that being online for both characters is really really powerful i think and um you know free buffs are just kind of rare and pretty sought after in this format um uh i think you're probably right about the so tomorrow pick um i'm still feeling a little jaded and that earth is always just gobbled up instantly so <laughs> i'm going to pray the winter's bite comes back around um you know, a, a frostbite and a card strip is is pretty powerful in Lexi. You know, this card has utility for pushing damage in old time. I, it's not really my favorite, and I I don't pick it. You know, very often, but um, definitely has quite a bit of utility. And the only reason I'm picking it is because I think that picking or praying so tomorrow comes back around is hoping for Earth to be open and so tomorrow blue is not necessarily my favorite favorite earth card also um the way my brain works is i'm a little bit too impatient for control or fatigue old time and i will play that if it's my seat and i'll certainly try to draft it but it's not my most powerful pilot so just for me personally i'm not a master of all archetypes so i gotta i gotta kind of cross my fingers for something i'm good at all right, Taylor. What's it going to awesome. be? Uh, well, this one's actually really hard for me because um, I really like all three of these non-attack actions um, for a bunch of different reasons. But um, I do think the Weave Lightning for sure edges these other two out just in terms of like a pack one, pick one scenario, which this is 100% is. Um Especially like, you know, yellow is totally fine, you know, because uh, it also pitches and it does everything else you want it to do for sure into two really great archetypes, um, Lightning Lexi and Lightning Briar. And kind of because of that, um, I kind of pray that the So Tomorrow comes back around because then it's just kind of like a great another non-attack action that replaces itself or pitches. Um, and it really helps out both, I think, Briar and Oldheim. So if I do, like on picks uh, four or five or six, notice Oldheim is open, you know, I know that that So Tomorrow is coming back around. And that's just like a pretty solid card for the defense reaction. And so I'm going to 
pass on winter's bite um even though for like all of the reasons already stated that it's really good um it's just kind of more of the narrow card out of these three you know and it doesn't leave you like a lot of flexibility in that pick especially early in the draft um it's like really great if you get multiples of it right like especially in the higher values but but yeah it's a kind of the least desirable because especially if you pick the weave lightning and you get that so tomorrow you know briar's really strong so that's kind of nice um so yeah those are my picks pick weave pray for so pass on winter boom there we go (laughs) great go ahead isaac um, so here at the Attack Action Podcast, we like to play a lot of different board games, not just flesh and blood. And um, sometimes we'll share a board game with you guys. This is not the best board game in the world or our favorite, but it's one we think that some of you will enjoy and hopefully you'll check out. So today's board game from the closet is Yuki's. Yeah, for sure. So one of the board games that I really enjoy playing is called Mansions of Madness. It's a cooperative board game. You, the, the, the version that I've played is supported by an app. I think there's an older version that, that wasn't, but you can easily run it on like a laptop or an iPad or something. Um, and the game is really awesome. It's, it's sort of like a HP Lovecraft horror universe kind of game. And um, the whole thing is that you're detectives and you're given a scenario and you're investigating um, some strange things happening in town and um, the, the game just tells such an awesome story and just feels really, really immersive. And I, yeah, I, I feel like it's easy to pick up and play. The rules are really straightforward and it's just like an awesome game to just hang out and have fun. And I think a lot of people, one of the things I like the most about this game is that like there's enough in it in terms of like optimization and and thinking about things that you can get pretty into it even if like you're like really into board games but also like people who don't play that many board games have had a lot of fun playing this game in my experience just because you can like it's so story driven and the plot's really fun and um all the scenarios are pretty good um so that's really nice usually takes kind of maybe two to four hours to play, depending on the scenario, has like some puzzles to solve, um, a little bit of combat. And uh, oh, one of my favorite mechanics for sure is that, um, so your characters can get hurt physically, but they can also get hurt mentally from all the scary and strange things going on. And um, so that can hurt your sanity. And if you lose too much of your sanity, you actually get a, you actually get, you, you, your character becomes insane and you get a card and and a lot of the effects are really fun like some of them uh some of them make you like if you're close to somebody you have to try and steal items from them or you know like um 
uh, yeah, I can't remember. They're, they all have like really funny effects and there's always this sort of, and, and the other rule about the insanity cards is you don't get to share them with the other people at the table. Or you have to keep them hidden. So you're always kind of like, oh, like what is this person going to do? And some of them are pretty brutal. Like some of them, the the person will try and betray you or, or something like this. So, so it's pretty interesting. And some of them also do nothing. So I, I thought that was just like a really flavorful and really kind of fun wrinkle that the game throws in and yeah i've had a blast every time that i've played it so maybe one to check out if you're looking for a kind of cooperative story driven horror game i wouldn't say it's like overly scary or anything i don't i don't do super well with horror but it's uh it's a fun one excellent yeah i've played mansions of madness quite a few times um and it's definitely fun for sure i'm a more of a analog person so the app part of it kind of detracts a little bit for me um but that's like my personal preference and everybody else at the table was like this is so fun and i was like cool well this is an infectious uh spirit so let's keep this going you know so it's great it's great it's a good game for sure awesome i I also don't love uh, like extremely scary movies or things like that. Like there's enough to be scared of in the real world, you know, like I just want to have fun in a movie. But I do very much like, um, you know, the Lovecraft setting for, uh, you know, board game shows, anything. It's just like really, yeah, really immersive. The more uh, pulpy aspects of it where you're like part of, you know, you're kind of like Indiana Jones. You know? Yeah, totally. Yeah, it's 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 really fun. They have like a whole bunch of different games set in that universe, and it's always kind of a fun little spin. Hell yeah! Well, that's our show. Uh, Yuki, where can the people get a hold of you if they have more burning questions about uh, the Icelexi deck or um, or whatever? They just want to congratulate you. Yeah, um, I don't have a huge online presence at the moment. I might look at, you know, doing some content and, and some stuff like that uh, going forward. Right now, the best way is probably on Discord. Um, for anybody from Canada, I'm in the main Canadian Discord. My tag is Cilia, S-Y-L-I-A. You can find me there. Um, and I'm also on sort of the main Flesh and Blood discord um that has like all the people talking about different classes and um you know tons of people on there so under the same uh, same username there and feel free to shoot me a message i've been posting a little bit in the lexi class discussion since people have some questions and um yeah always happy to chat awesome yeah you gotta get on those tweets you know where you <laughs> do i do Get your no, no, you your don't. seventy that's, that's followers right. and <laughs> it's it's excellent. You just tweet out random shit. You could be like Brendan and just pull post selfies of himself every once in a while. <laughs> Maybe he's like holding a card, you know. That seems yeah. to do well for him. Yeah, I don't know if I can compete with his hair, but you know, who knows? <laughs> I don't know. Yours is pretty good. It's like a different <laughs> it's a different vibe for sure, but you know. Than the short white. Yeah, totally. <laughs> well, uh, I've had a lot of fun uh, on this podcast, and I could sit here and ask you five thousand more questions about, you know, minutia, gameplay, 
you know, favorite soup, all of that stuff. Um, but uh, we'll have to save that for another pod. So I hope you come back on and uh, we find another reason to uh, sit down and have a podcast and, and that sort of thing. Yeah, for sure. It's been a pleasure being on the show and I'd, I'd love to come back on and chat with you more. It's been it's been a fun time and hopefully the, the listeners will have enjoyed it as well if they're still here. <laughs> yeah, who knows if they ever make it this far. I don't know. I'm um, sure they are. You're very famous. <laughs> <laughs> yep, exactly. Yeah, we really upgraded our podcast from... Uh, <laughs> from nationals top eighter to nationals champion. So well, there's not that much of a difference. Come on now. I, I think top eight is the main, there's a reason that in TCGs top eight is how people are measured. So, you know, and yeah. Nice. That's plenty. Of Isaac definitely so. needed that confidence boost. So uh, <laughs> he won't say it, but uh, he thanks you. I'm fine. Don't project your insecurities on me. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, anyway well, on that yeah. strong note once again <laughs> yep nailed good night it. everyone good night good night